evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Nefer Coaches Corner. Well, we're in September. All of the domestic leagues are back pretty much without restriction, and isn't it fantastic? I know I'm certainly overjoyed of not only just being involved in games and going to watch games, but being free of those blooming masks and cues and PCR tests. And I know a bit of that is still going on, but we're pretty much at the end of it all, which is absolutely fantastic. And I really hope that the next 90 minutes, in fact, I am sure the next 90 minutes is just going to add to us all feeling great about being back in football. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. We've got another fantastic guest this evening. And of course, the man to introduce him is my co-host and head of academy at NEFA, Spencer Burns. Spencer, how are you this evening? I'm very well, Ryan. It's been a beautiful day here on the Costa del Rotherham. The sun's been shining. We've been out on the grass this morning. Predict a great weather all week. So I'm very happy with life. How are you, my friend? I'm uh, I'm unusually happy. So really? yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make a change. Yeah, you've got me at a good moment. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, welcome everyone to the September Coaches Corner, and our guest, of course, is Matt Hanshaw. Now, Matt has had a fantastic playing career with over 300 appearances at several clubs. Now, I was really lucky many, many years ago to watch Matt play for Sheffield Wednesday and scored one of the best goals that I've seen at a live game. I think it was 2009, something like that. Stop right there, Spencer. Stop right there. As you know, we don't throw this webinar together. I've actually got the goal. I've actually got the goal. So let's, let's, just, let's, let's just share it. And you just talk us through. You just talk us through what happened. OK, so Watford have a corner at this stage. The partisan 40,000 crowd in Hillsborough. Hamshaw picks the ball up at the edge of the area, beats one player. Has a little look up, takes it to his left, beats another one, looks up, where's the keeper? Boom, 4-0. And it's the celebration that does it for me, right? Wow, wow. That, now, that is a celebration. Yeah, that is a massive celebration. <laughs> Good stuff. So, um, as well as scoring a wonderful goal that you've all just seen, uh, Matt's been at Rotherham United now for nine years in a coaching capacity, covering many different roles, such as lead development phase coach, Head of Academy Coaching, he's been the interim assistant manager and is currently the first team and player development coach. And on top of this, is also a UEFA Pro license holder. So we're delighted to welcome Matt this evening. But before we get stuck into the questions, we all know that Ryan's favourite part of the evening is the poll. Over to you, Ryan. Thanks, Spencer. You're right. It is my is my favourite part. And these polls have took on a bit of an evolution since we since we started this. You know, you know, you, you want to befriend your audience at the start. And it was it was very sort of very kind. What's your favorite colour? You know, that those type of questions. Then it got a little bit more into into, you know, a bit more footbally. But yeah, I'm raising the bar tonight, Spencer. I good want to. I want, yeah, good. I know. I want to know. Um, actually, before I do go into the polls, Spencer, I think you're a little exaggerating a little bit about 40,000 at Hillsborough. I think. I think it's forty thousand over the course of a season these days. Well, um, I think I think maybe there were maybe twenty thousand, but you know, they're just the atmosphere at that club. Yeah, maybe I'm making felt. the club to be bigger than what it actually is, Ram, and I usually do that when it comes to Sheffield Wednesday. The goal deserved being played in front of forty thousand. Oh, that was that, that was for, that was for certain. But back to the poll tonight, I've raised the bar. I want to know if the people tuning in have done a bit of research on our guest. 
So the poll, the question which I'm about to launch is how many promotions has Matt achieved whilst part of the management and coaching staff at Rotherham? So have a little go at that whilst you are doing it, a little bit of housekeeping from us, uh, myself. If you want to share your contact details tonight, if you want to share your LinkedIn address, your Twitter address, if you want to put a little comment about why you're here, how you're getting on with your coaching journey, then please put it all in the chat box. That's the chat box for all of those comments. Of course, we want your questions to Matt as well. We want to get you one. We want you to be asking Matt a question or I can ask it on your behalf. Either way, please get those questions in the Q&A box. Questions in the Q&A box, not the chat box, makes my life much, much easier. So I'll just give you another 20 seconds or so to have a little go um, at that question. Um, there's a few people still to go there. So last few seconds before we move on. Okay, let's, let, let, let's end it there. Uh, before I share the results, Spencer, the options were, I, I, tried to, I tried to mess with people's minds. I've seen what you've done I, I, there, I see right? what I've, I've done, seen, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, three, four, two, or one. What, did you, what do you think, Spencer? Two. It's a good job it's research because it the answer is two. Is two. But as you can see, well, okay, only 30% tonight. I, I think this line of future polls may go in this direction. Okay. Uh, I hope that's got everybody warmed up uh, for this evening. Um, I'm really looking forward uh, to hearing uh, from Matt. And as I say, questions in the Q&A box. Get as many questions in as you can and we'll get through all of them, I promise. Spencer, over to yourself. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Matt, a warm welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thanks. Thank you very much for having me on uh, this evening. Yeah, it's great to have you with us and a great result of the weekend as well. Yeah, fantastic result at Bolton. Um, a really tough game and I'm sure come end of season Bolton will be up there they've got some really good players there were 21,000 there wow. so obviously um, I'm in third tier of football to have a crowd that big is just it just shows you how remarkable and, and I think sometimes English league we don't we don't we don't take stock of actually what we do have in this country like a third division 21,000 crowd is just unreal yeah, no, fantastic. And uh, in the playoff positions as well, which is really good to see. Obviously, living in Rotherham, I, uh, as well as following Sheffield Wednesday a little bit, of course, I follow the Millers as well. So, so Matt, you've been at Rotherham United, <clears throat> excuse me, in a coaching capacity now for nine years, doing a variety of different roles. And currently, you're first team and development coach. <clears throat> excuse me. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at Rotherham United? Yeah, well, when, when you were saying earlier that I've done every role, it, it does sound like I, <laughs> I haven't. I was, I was making notes, to be fair, about what roles I haven't done. And I think there aren't that many. T-boy, <laughs> swept up, I've done all sorts of stuff. Um, no, but uh, obviously my, my role at the minute is first team and development coach. So predominantly I work with first team every day. Myself and Richie Barker tend to do majority of the coaching. Uh, Paul Warren, the manager, then oversees it. We'll step in and intervene as and when, but... We're a really tight-knit group of staff. Um, my role involves uh, bringing some of the development players through. So we're a Cat 3 academy. So we're not fortunate enough to have an under-23s programme. However, the step from 18s to first team, certainly when we've been in championship, is a massive gulf to step from a Cat 3 academy into a championship first team. So it's kind of my job to bridge that gap a little bit through loans, making sure these young players are okay, 
Um, I've had a variety of roles, so I've been foundation fair leads, new development led fees, done every age from 11s to 16s, coached 18s, coached Thomas Rodham College. So I, I've, I've definitely done the hard yards and the hours, but what I'm finding now is that the lads who are coming through are lads who I've had when I first started, kind of. Yeah. So obviously, we've got Ben Wiles at first team who, who um, scored two Saturday. And um, it, it sounds really, really strange, probably what I'm going to say, but it's almost like one of your kids scoring a goal because I've known him that long. To see him come from, through from under nines all the way through to playing our first team, um, it's like there's no there's no better feeling than seeing that. And I still harbour a dream that every young kid in Rotherham can go on and play for first team. And I see that as being part of my role. Not that I can see every kid in Rotherham, but... I want lads to feel that they've got an opportunity and a chance to do that. Yeah, and you're obviously from Rotherham as well, aren't you, Matt? So from Rome, so you've always been a Millers fan, have you, growing up? Or? Yeah, I have, yeah. My dad took me to, uh, well, I'm saying he took me, a booted me under turnstiles at one of my first games. Um, obviously, you couldn't buy a junior ticket then, so I used to get booted underneath turnstile um, and watch like Bobby Williamson era. Um, yeah. He was like my favourite player growing up. So um, Rotherham's always been kinder in my blood and, to say I'm working there now, I mean, it's interesting you show my Chef Wednesday goals. My dad, um, when we played Rotherham, actually got booted out because he celebrated a Rotherham goal while I was playing for Chef Wednesday, which is unheard of. There's not many dads that do that at the <laughs> opposition team. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's really close to my family and it's something I'm sure that they're immensely proud of. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. It's, it's funny you should mention, you know, not being a tea boy. We, we had a bit of a tea-related incident in our coaching office this morning, and I think it's really important uh, to be able to, the coaching questions tuning in. So I'll leave that as a mystery for everybody else listening in. Uh, but I'm not happy about it, uh, Matt, at all. But, but it's, it's one, it's one for another time. Uh, so I just wanted to ask a question just about your your, your sort of day-to-day role in terms of what you your input into the academy, and you mentioned. You know the likes of you know the likes of Ben, ben Wild. You know he, he had a great loan, didn't he? he had a great short-term loan to Frickley Athletic. The guys that were there at the time really bought him on. I thought I just I don't know who they are like, but I did. I think that was the making of him really. Um, day to day, you involved with the academy, or is it is it week to week, or how how does it work? Um, it's day to day in terms of I'm always speaking to academy manager. I'm always speaking to Edder Academy coaching. Um, I probably speak to under 18 coach once a week. Um, and I just see it as being part of my role. Um, my main focus is to focus on the ones who are coming through the 18s. So I kind of get final say on who gets professional contracts. So obviously for me, just to, after two years, so you're getting one, if I've seen him an handful of times, ain't good enough. So um, I'll make sure I'm down there. It, it gets sometimes a little bit, uh, not hard work because that's the wrong word, but certainly if we have a first team match, I go down and watch the game, rush across to New York Stadium. Um, so sometimes your head's a bit fried uh, thinking about what's going to come at three o'clock when you, you're trying to focus at half ten. But, you know, it, it, it's it's really pleasing. And, and like I know you touched on start of the show, but first time uh, Saturday parents were allowed in. And and you forget that parents haven't seen the kids play for 18 months, so forget that they're playing for Rotherham United. But fact that they're there watching them, and, and it's almost like they've missed a year of their lad's development and seeing him play in New York Stadium in Youth Cup or seeing him play in League or seeing him play in Reserves. Um, 
So, you know, it, it were a delight to see some of the parents and see some of the pride that obviously they've got watching the kids play. And I think the under-18s as well, I think they've had a great start this year, haven't they? They've been the first four or five games. Yeah, done really, really well. Um, again, we, we've kind of... Um, it's always difficult when you come in at first team level, as, as, as I'm sure you know, you've got experience from it, that you, you, you come in and you want to change everything overnight. Um, we went into a sinking ship, and on our um, club were in turmoil, really. Uh, we had hardly any points. Um, we kind of got thrown into it, myself and Paul Warm. Um, and on art, we didn't think we'd get job. So um, we went, it was a kind of, not a blase attitude, we worked as nuts off. It were, it were horrific. I, it was, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sat here talking now, and if you'd have asked me four or five, well, probably nine years ago when I come to the club, that in eight years, seven years, six years' time, you're going to be working with first team, and you're like, oh, brilliant, that'd be great. It wasn't like that at all. You were dealing with bad pros, you were dealing with not a great setup. You were dealing with um, issues that you, you, you couldn't cope with and on art. Um, so when we went in, it were a nightmare. Um, and we've kind of remastered the club from top to bottom. So now, um, obviously, at last stages, you generally tend to see is academy. And we kind of come into it now in the fact that like three, four years now down the line, academies, listen, it can always improve and everything can get better. But it's starting to find its feet. We're starting to attract kids. Um, I think people in area are seeing that um, we're giving young players an opportunity now. So Ben Wiles, I've mentioned, but Joshua Coyote, Jacob Gratton, Jay Cole, who scored the other night in uh, Johnson's pit. Jake Cooper's played in the first team. So I think that like local kids now are seeing that there is an opportunity and a pathway to our first team. And I think that goes a long way. So we are, before, kids were going to Chef United, Chef Wednesday, Leeds. There's a lot of competition in our area. Yeah. There's now the, 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 the Rotherham fans and they're wanting to come to Rotherham, which for me is a, is a massive success. Yeah, I think it's going to mention Jacob Gratton there. I think it's at Geisley at the moment, isn't he? And I know Jerome Greaves is another one that's, uh, I think, maybe a first-year pro. Is it Matlock or Buxton, one of the two there? And uh, scored a couple the other week. So, do you do you see this with the, the loans? Do you see that as a really important part? Then, uh, you know, bridging that gap between the the, the under 18s and the first team. One hundred, and it, and it, and it's not always success. So, um, I know, like we, we we were laughed about it with Ben Wiles. So Ben arguably had a really inconsistent loan, um, but what it did do is it made him realise the enormity of where he needed to get to. It made him realise that. If he did get released from Rotherham United, this might be standard he ends up playing with. So sometimes it can be a reality check. And and I don't get really hung up if they're really successful on the first, first loan, which sounds like people go, well, he's gone there and he can't get in their team. But these these kids, are, um, they're not used to being in men's football. They're not used to getting sworn at, which sounds ridiculous, but they're not. They're not used to people being relying on... on getting um, that win bonus or getting that, that money to to, you know, to feed the family on in the week. So for them to go and um, kind of see the other side, or not the other side, that's wrong, but see the game from a different angle rather than everything being controlled for them, for me, is, is, is massive. Yeah. Uh, excellent. So one of your targets, Matt, when you, you started coaching uh, was to achieve the UEFA Pro Licence, which is now a couple of years ago. 
And uh, when we spoke, when I was doing a, a project a few months ago, you kindly shared your presentation with me. So what, what for you was the main learning that you got out of the UEFA Pro Licence? Oh, wow. Um, so many things, so many things. Um, I mean, first, first and foremost, it was always kind of my ambition to get it. Um, I always wanted to do my coach badge. I was really unfortunate that I had double cruciate injuries when I was 19. Um, and my wife's a PE teacher. So I found myself getting well, I was coaching girls at doing football here and there and taking year seven boys and year 10 girls and ended up taking my wife's school team for two years, girls team, which I absolutely loved. Um, and kind of got into it then. And I, and I kind of set me, I mean, people play, so people talk about what you want to do after. I always wanted to go into coaching, yeah. but uh, it weren't, I weren't one of these ex-pros who just fell into it, who thought I'm not going to do anything else. And as, as the stereotypical kind of thing is, um, and as you can see with my CV coaching, I did all that coaching while I was still playing, majority of it. Um, so really passionate about it. So to, to, for me to achieve pro license with English Affair was huge. Um, to get actually on the course is ridiculously tough. Yeah, Probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to get on it. Um, and it was daunting. Um, some of the things I did were like really, really good. And you look back now and smile about them and make you a better, better person. But um, if I just give you one task yep. we had. Um, so you, you're doing like uh, a bit of a maths test, basically. So classroom set up like you used to wear as a kid. Um, all desks are facing forward. You've got a sheet of paper in front of you that's turned face down. You walk in and you end up doing this math quiz type of thing and then you get given a task that you're taking uh, St George's Park FC and you've got this big document in front of you um, and literally it's got everything in there. So manager, playing budget, area, stadium size, training facilities, uh, chairman's got relationship with this player, that player is going out with one of directors, da -da 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 -da. so it's like your mind's blown. And then you have to design a two-week pre-season in, uh, I think it's Hong Kong you go into. These two days are press <laughs> days, but every other day you have to do your plan. So you, you so you sit for 45 minutes planning this unbelievable pre-season. Well, I thought it was unbelievable. But, um, and you go upstairs and they sit you in like a ring of eight. And don't forget, majority of these people you haven't really ever met in your life. And I'm not a name dropper, but like you've got like Steven Gerrard, Peter Schmeichel, like, like, no, like names I'm like, wow, I've seen them on telly. <laughs> um, so, um, so you start there, and then there's this guy questioning you. Then they get you talking about different topics to obviously get your mind off something. And then all of a sudden you'll get shouted your name. You have to go and stand up in front of these eight people. And you literally get grilled about uh, this St. George's Park club. So your mind's been taken on this 45-minute Hong Kong pre-season trip. Then you're talking about like random topic, like should throw-ins be involved in football, for example, or some daft question. And then you stand up and you're going, right, what's your chairman called? And you're going, uh, Mr. Chairman. Oh, funny guy, eh? And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, so like uh, to see how you react under pressure, yeah. um, taking your outside, sort of like, I mean, it's petrifying. But then I look back on it and think, wow, what an experience. Um, that Lord, loads of, like, I'm, I mean, I'm, my head's like got all kinds of answers coming in. But like you sat with Peter, like, Arsenal's first team coach, were on it? So I'm sat like 
asking him about how he dealt with Robert Perez and Freddie Youngberg and Terry mm. Henry. And then, like, Stephen Gerrard's there talking to you about, like, England games and European Championships and World Cup preparation, Pete Schmeichel. Then you've got, like, an academy manager who sat behind you and you hear him talking about something, you think, God, that sounds amazing. So a lot of thing on the course, you were, like, just networking, talking, um, doing all kinds of things. And then you've got, like, special guests coming in. So at London Air Ambulancing, so we think our job's stressful. Wow. Like, you're talking about, like, what equipment's in your bag. You're dealing with an emergency. There's, like, 50,000 people on Oxford Street or whatever else, and you're having to deal with this stabbing. And it, it just puts everything into perspective. And, and like, you're like, wow, what, what, what would I do? How would I deal with it? Um, all kinds of really, really unbelievable stuff. Um, Cross-sport visits. I went to British Cycling. Went to Man City. Uh, or went to Toulon to watch the tournament out of there. I mean, the list's endless, honestly. If it, yeah. like, I, I, I know I should really get commission for this up pro life, <laughs> but honestly, it, it, for me, it's the best course like I've ever done ever. And, and the friends I've made and the the, the contacts I've made um, has just been brilliant. Yeah, Matt, I, I mean, they are big names, but none of them scored that goal in front of 75,000 at Hillsborough, did they? So, no, no, no. You see, I love how it's going up, right over the course yeah, of the yeah. evening. It'll be, you know, Wembley. I think that's 75,000 views, Spen, and I've had 74,500. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So, I mean, Matt, one thing that's, um, you know, really evident you know, from the time that we spent a few months ago speaking about Rotherham United is what a strong culture that you've built at that football club. And, you know, the, the first season you took over, obviously it was a really bad time to, to go in that position and then you bounced straight back uh, into the championship from League One and then unfortunately went down again. It was obviously a better season than your first, but then you bounced back straight again and, and now you've come down again and, you know, maybe it's the third time on the bounce that you do it and, you know, why not? So with the culture, you know, how did you go about building that culture? You know, what, what's really important to yourself and to the manager, Paul Warren, and to, to Richard Barker as well, one of the other coaches? I think for, um, for me, it's about representation of the badge. So we, we talk about it a lot now. Um, say, say, uh, say, for example, we sign you two for Rotherham United and you play for Rotherham United. We understand you're not going to be Rotherham United fans. We know that, right? However, you respect the badge. So you respect everything it stands for. You respect your teammates. You respect members of staff. You respect your family. You respect... Like, Everything that surrounds that badge, the supporters. And little things we, we introduced was like, we have a badge that's in the middle of changing room that players can't stand on. If they stand on it, they get fined. Um, things like your kit's got to be folded right way. Because you just like, if you just throw it and it's inside out, it's disrespecting us, disrespecting kit man, kit lady, their family, us, because I take it personally. Um, so we're just kind of developing that culture of what it is to represent our club. And, and like I said, we don't think that we're going to turn them into Rotherham fans and years down the line. But we want that representation to really be big. We want, we want it sounds really I mean, cheesy, but we just want good people. So if players don't use please and thank you, for, I know it's a small thing, but it's massive for us and we will pull them up and players will pull each other up for it now, which never used to be the case. Um, having a togetherness. 
So we, we, I mean, you see a lot of American about being next man up, but it literally is that. So you, do, you don't know. And we always bang on about it. You don't know if it's your last game. You don't know um, that you could beat one, even though you sub on a Monday, potentially that comes on and scores winner or scores winner at Wembley. Like we sat down with Richard Wood and um, well, I know he won't mind saying this, but start of that season where he scored two at Wembley in playoff final. We sat down with him and said, look, we, we think that you might not play as many games this season. At that This were at like a, a Costa just outside Meadowall. Um, and I can remember a conversation we had with him. Um, and then he gets two goals at Wembley. His kids see it. Like, it, do you know what I mean? Like, they're things that you can't kind of put in words. And, and things like that have happened all the time. We we had one inc- well, incident where one player, the lads were on the Christmas do. In London, and one player had an emergency, and his little son got taken ill. And one of the players like went with him on train back and stayed at his house overnight to make sure he were all right. Now, for me, that's huge success. That doesn't involve three points on a Saturday, but the fact that that lad is willing to come out at Christmas do to go and help his teammate for me speaks volumes about things that we're trying to represent. Um, and over a period of time, what ends up happening is your group that you've got kind of has been there a while. As soon as the other lads come in, they know. And, it, and if they don't do that, they don't stay very long. Um, and and it, it kind of just breeds on itself. So before you know it, your changing room's doing it for you. It were a big push from us at the beginning. Whereas now, players who come into club are just aware because them values and beliefs are, are there. And if, they, and if they don't do it, as I said, the either A won't get it team or B won't stay at football club. You've got the players self-regulating it and keeping the culture extremely high. So when yeah. you like recruiting as well, Matt, so I mean, is that something you're looking at when you're recruiting as well and you, your background checks with players? Yeah, well, I'm sure our head of recruitment will tell you but it drives him crackers because the amount of research and checks we do on players. Um, and... It's little things, and this sounds again real, but like, um, so we've we we have met players previously, and probably people say it's wrong or it's right, but um, that when they've walked in a first impression, so is he is he on his phone? Is he yeah. is he looking at his phone? Is he making eye contact when he's speaking to you? Um, manages a little bit fitness obsessed, so if he orders a full fat cappuccino, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, if I wanted to sign, over. <laughs> if I wanted to sign for just order a green tea and you're cooking. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but like, it, and it seems like really far fetched, but at size of club we are, we can't afford mistakes really. Yeah. So it's important that they buy in, and we're not everybody's cup of tea. And you'll get players probably watching or listening this. Coaches going, "Wow, it seems really intense and really like wow," but then it shifts them lot out. So ones who come in then are what, what you want. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Matt. I think, you know, externally, sort of from European, there's a bit of a sort of perception that we're more sort of value-driven, value-driven and uh, culture-driven, right, at the expense of, of all the technical the technical work. But the way I see it, and I'm not sure if you agree, is, is that if you haven't got that culture and value base right, then... The ability for that group to learn and, and take on board the messages proves an extra extra challenge. I mean, do you concur with that? 
100%, but I also think that your culture and values push the technical element. So everything we're talking about at this moment in time revolves around like people helping each other out, people being together. So them lads are going to go out and work with each other after training one-on-one. They are going to try and help the mate get better. So we've had players who are in the team helping players who aren't in the team and then them players have overtaken them players who are. And and to get to kind of get that is tough and, and difficult. But like what you'll find now is we had no players at the beginning of our reign who stayed out. Now you can't get them in. Um and it's like, right, lads, come on, like, come on, we're we're up on those distances, a GPS data is going through roof. Uh fitness coach is having an absolute meltdown because he's <laughs> like, don't be able to do what you want tomorrow, get yeah. Amy, Amy, get them in. So um but you want that. You you want to be pulling lads up training ground. So when when foreign coaches, I 100% disagree with everything that they say in terms of we're technically um, not not good. I don't understand it. Um, we've had Jude Bellingham, we've had Jaden Sancho, we've got Reem still, we've got Phil Ford and we, like Mason Mount. Our academy system is brilliant. The coaching that goes on is brilliant. And, and I think sometimes we're his own worst enemy as English coaches. We always kind of knock herself down and back a little bit um, instead of saying, look, actually what we do is good. And what EPPP has brought in is good. So planning now has never been better. I think self-awareness of coaches now has never been better. Evaluating sessions, never been better. I think coaches are a lot more open to stuff like this, chatting, talking about, explaining what goes off. When, when, when I were a player, everything seemed to be closed, closed doors, you can't come in can't see it I don't think it happens as much now there's obviously some sessions that you can't open to public but generally if a coach rung me or said can I come and watch this absolutely no problem we've had coaches from non-league we've had coaches from league two we've had coaches from league one who've come and watched our sessions not a problem Um, and I think sharing is key really it's important that everybody um, mucks in should I say it's all for greater good. It's all like, well, like you've got to see the last two major tournaments for England. That's why we do it, really. Um, and you don't know that any coach who's, who's watching this or listening could be working with that next player who, who potentially defies a generation or defies that, that European Championship, that World Cup, that winning Premier League, or it could be that winning Conference North. However you maximise that player, and if he can do it in the right manner, for me, you're a successful coach. Yeah, I think that's something I've noticed, you know, coaching coming from the, the boardroom, if you like, the last few years in particular, how open people are. Uh, when you go on courses like the one you went on, like the UEFA Pro Licence, you know, everyone's pretty much open arms, sharing ideas. I think that's where a lot of the best learning occurs, doesn't it? Having that, that cup of tea and just talking about, you know, your experiences and your knowledge and sharing that. I think it's very powerful. Uh, if I may, just to go back onto to the values um, a bit, and a, a friend of mine, Damien, told me a story where his son was 10, 11 years of age and he got a knock on the door. I forget which player it was, but it was a Rotherham United player wishing him happy birthday. And he'd gone into Sunnyside and Rotherham and done that. I mean, is that something that, you know, as a management team that you encourage players to do, to work more in the community? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, we <laughs> during COVID, we were dropping shopping off um, at people's houses. We didn't want a picture for it. it. It annoys me. It annoys me that sometimes that as a club, um, you want to promote that. For me, 
with community-based people. Like, I coach at my club in my town, and I'm proud of where I'm from. So I want to look after the community. I want people to come to New York on a Saturday and be happy. Um, I, I, I do. Uh, um, and they're not always going to be happy. And, it, and sometimes it's really tough to accept um, when, when you come off after 90 minutes. Um, and it means as much to us as it does to them. And you, you feel like you've let them down. Um, but you want that. And, and yeah, it, it is normal. And again, players accept. And that's something else that has kind of been a big thing for us. Have bought into it. They're great with it now. We ask for as many things as we can do. Um, we ask that uh, if we can help, we will help. I think managers now sent a video message to everybody in Rotherham. I think he's moving <laughs> to outer skirts of Sheffield. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, you know, but it is, look, if, if we can say one thing that lightens somebody's day a little yeah. bit, whether that's 1% or 100%, we're going to do it, any of us, and, and that's kind of people we are. Yeah, I just 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 on this thing because I think sometimes when we're talking about culture and values um, in, in in football, we we do try and it ends up getting sort of segmented away out of the main development path that all you know young players need to to to, to go. You know, we talk about all the time that you know the non-football things that you need to be a footballer, and let's face it, you know there are many challenges that young people face. Uh, to be a good person now, you know, how modern society is stacked up. It's about status. It's not really about helping your neighbour and helping your, helping your mate. It's about, can you be the best individual that, 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 you, can, that you can be? So how are you trying to impregnate the, the counter to that in, you know, certainly the academy? Um, I, don't, I don't know, really. And on art, it's, it's, it's really tough. I, I think that, all you can do is um, try and embed your principles and what you believe in down down the chain. Mm. You're not going to. Every kid isn't going to do what we say. We understand that. We we're not we're not, we're not big school bullies and say right, you've got to do this to get in our first team or else. Um, but it's kind of allowing them to learn and understand and partake in it, and then see. If it works, we, we, we live in a um, we live in a world now where everything is instant. Yeah, everybody wants everything now. You, you can't wait um, with with everything you get. So a kid wants feedback now. A kid wants to know what's happening and when it's happening and yada yada yada. The list goes on. You don't wait for anything anymore, do you? In, in these these this younger generation, so so we as coaches have to appreciate that we have to move with the times and try and put things on that helps them. So for example, it could be like we're on huddle, so games are straight on, clips are straight on. Um, whereas if it's left till Monday, Tuesday, will they watch them? Probably not. So and, and that's one example, but it's important that you move with the times and you try and educate them to believe in what you're trying to do for the best. Now in football, that is really, really difficult because football's always been, in my opinion, um, something that there isn't a lot of honesty a lot of the time and on art, there should be more. And we've even been um, 
I think it's helped us in previous previously over our 45 year tenure that we are honest and sometimes it doesn't it does hurt and it and it does um cause issues straight away however in the longer run you ask the player six months down the line and they'll probably say it's the best thing that ever happened to them however when as soon as they get that news it kills them so we i mean we did one little I mean, to be fair, it was gaffer this, and I just thought it was genius. So we we turned up at one game, and we we put all the players' names in an app. So these are first team players, um, and uh, each player had to go up and pull a player out, and on a piece of paper they had to write three things that that player were good at, um, and what they admired them for, and then they all got through back in an app. Um, but what we did was we made the player. Who were talking about the other player standing in front of the room and tell all the all the squad which player that that player had and what he was good at. Now that is very empowering to the group. It's easy for me to say to the right winger, "Look, you're quick and your crosses are good and you can finish." For a player to say that about him in front of the group is massive. Mm. And like all of a sudden, you get you get that buying straight away. So everybody yeah. in group then appreciates everybody that little bit more. Um, so I think if it can come from within the group, it, it is a lot more powerful. And just uh, on that, Matt, um, I, I remember reading somewhere that you know as a management team, you, you share a lot of stories that you know about the, the players share stories about the families and why they're at Rotherham United and so on. I mean, is that something that's still going on at the club? Yeah, yeah. So it's all about your why, really. So we always have. Um, home and away, we always have pictures up of the family or it's not necessarily the family, it could be a dog, it could be a place, it could be anything, anything um, as to why they're doing it. So why why are you playing football? I mean, I did it for love of it, but obviously it's my family, my wife, my kids, my children. So we have a lot of children pictures, we have dog cat pictures, we have um, a yacht, on yeah. somewhere. <laughs> that's that's what. Who's they that? Get. Come on, who, who's that? Who's that? A bit of recruitment, that I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I oh, good shout. But, <laughs> but if that's what motivates that player, so what? Why? Why is that a negative? If he mm. wants to make as much money as he can and buy a yacht, good luck to him. Mm. As long as he knows where it takes to get there, mm. and we can kind of devise a path to help him to hopefully get there. Then again, for me, we've done his job, but it's just trying to tap into what motivates them, really. And so, when new players join, so do they? They have to like they do a bit of a initiation where where they have to sing a, a song, or do they do they speak about the family? How do you like blend them within the group? Yeah, we. we um, I mean, over over the past few years, and we've not done it this year, um, but we made the players stand up and speak to the group. Um, they do the songs at hotel, which I'm not a big fan of, but lads lads all love it don't they so um but uh we get them to stand up now we can have some lads who might talk for 10 seconds we have some lads who talk for 20 minutes but we'll never stop them so they talk for as long as they want now i mean and this is where it gets like a bit sad really so we had one lad who we didn't know had a son so had he not done that speech, we wouldn't have known, really. Um, so, like, for us, you can tap into that. 
lads know that. We had one lad who told a story about how he went to an academy and his dad um, was massive against it and wanted him to do education. So we were doing school and then taking off to go to academy um, at a Premier League club. Uh, and his mum would cover for him, but he'd still do his education. And then further down the line, he ended up buying his dad a flat through this academy money, uh, through his, obviously, because he, he put football, yeah. done and football money here. Um, so, like, just people's stories and what they've done and how they've done it, and, and it just brings everybody closer to the group, really. Yeah, and really helps building connections between the players and the staff as well. Uh, like I mentioned, the, the guy, you know, they've got a son. I think it's really important. I saw something we do at NEFA, don't we, Ryan? We have a, a getting to know you form when, you know, new players join the academy. Uh, so as coaches, we all have like, you know, a group where we're the key worker. We have to know everything about that player as much as possible uh, to yeah. build those connections. I think we need to introduce a tea-making uh, element to the to that induction as well. For you're, the upset. you're upset about the tea today, aren't you? Right? Do you want to share what happened with the no, tea? No, 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 I don't want to share it. I don't want to share bothering you, isn't it? I am, but I'm still bothered about it, yeah. Um, just before we bring this little section uh, to, to, to the end, um, uh, just a sort of word on the manager, because, you know, he, 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 certainly, he certainly portrays, you know, very sort of passionate in his in his interviews and 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 how he come how he comes across. Is he different with the group, or is he the same with the group as what he is outwardly to the press and the media? He's exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just a dead genuine bloke. I think biggest compliment I can give him is I would have loved to have played for him. I think as a as a man manager, he's he's fantastic. He he would literally do anything for any of his players, but. He wants that both ways. So if, if he's willing to give you that, he wants you to give your all to be best you can be. And if you're not trying to be best you can be, he's on you and he wants to know why why you're not. So, um, I mean, some players really like it, some don't. But he, 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 he texts them quite a lot. He speaks to them quite a lot. He knows everything about them. Um, his door's always open and it, it could be anything not 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 always football we've had loads of stories obviously that I can't really go into mm. people's personal circumstances that he's helped them through yeah. and people don't see it um, so yeah just just look he's it, it just I mean I, I don't want to blow too much smoke <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> just, he's, he's, he's not he's not tuning I in I've checked he's not, he's not watching he, he, he is what you see and um, I think any well, we're certainly lucky as a football club to have him, and I'm sure that in future he'll he'll go on um, to bigger and hopefully better things. Or uh, and and he's just he's just a really good bloke, good manager, good to work for, um, and he's definitely brought the club back together. And I think that, like like I said earlier, everybody's instant, aren't they? So if you lose on Saturday. You like you're getting relegated if you win, yeah. you win in Champions League. But if you look at what he's done over four years for this football club, and I certainly know because I saw it first and behind the scenes to where it is now, it's just night and day. Brilliant, excellent. Um, right, that brings us up to our little break, which for those of you that have been uh, uh, on the coach's corner before means that it's Matt's turn to ask you guys a question. So, Matt, what's your question that you'd like to ask? Everybody tuning in. Well, it's probably a question that's going to cause a quite a lot of controversy. But um, is it is it about, love, is it tea? Is it tea related? Yeah, uh, no, no, it's not tea related. Oh, okay, tea good. Right, right. 
Um, but basically, what, what I'd want to know is, and it's something that certainly in my early days as a coach, and even still now, I'm still intrigued by. Um, but it's it, it's about what what point the coaches on here see um, the point that you move from individual development to winning. So on, on kind of a spectrum, um, and I think it's gone full circle over years, um, but at what point would they say it was really good today, we won, yada, 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 or lads did everything that I expected from their, in their individual learning uh, plans, but at what age, or is it both? Do they see it as you develop to win, but you develop the individual? So it's kind Great. Of- okay, so at what point or age... Um, is, is the point where um, uh, the desire to win, the, the, the importance of winning, overtake development. So, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to put your answers in the chat box, please. Not the Q&A box. Put your answers in the chat box. We'll pick one or two out after the break. We've got some questions to ask uh, from you guys as well to ask Matt in the second half. We've got some more technical questions uh, from Spencer and myself as well. But... We'll just give everybody a quick refreshment break and we'll, we, we will be back on at 20 past eight. So get your answers in the chat box and we'll see you back there very shortly. <laughs> 